you're listening to Real Talk SLP with your host, Elise Clark, the Deviling Speechy. This is a show to help speech pathologists navigate the SLP world with real-life stories to celebrate therapy successes and how to persevere when failure comes knocking on your door. Hey there, Rockstar SLPs. We are on a new episode of the Real Talk SLP podcast. And this week, we are going to be talking about what I learned from working with my quiet students. Now, I don't know if you have any students on your caseload that you would describe as quiet, but when I think of a quiet student, I think of someone who isn't necessarily, uh, you know, we would maybe say they were shy or maybe they just feel a little bit um, unsure of themselves in the speech room, so they don't say a lot at first, and and they're just warming up to you, and it's taking a little bit of time. Um, some maybe you know some SLPs may even say like, oh, this student is introverted. Um, and when I think of an introverted student, I think of myself, who, <laughs> you know, I'm an outgoing introvert. Just so you know. Like I may sound very extroverted. Um, I love to be around extroverted people because they bring that side out of me. I definitely have extroverted qualities, but then I, you know, if I'm extroverted for too long, um, I have to run and hide for like a week. (laughs) Being a mom of three children of varying ages, Um, I'm constantly on sensory overload. So like the things that I like to do in my spare time is take bubble baths and read books and go for jogs where nobody's talking to me. Yeah. That's a sign that I'm an outgoing introvert. Okay. Um, and I remember as a kid, I definitely, and even to this day, you put me in an environment like ASHA convention. Um, yes, I can deal with it and I can handle it, but I have to like, you know, it's like Rocky. I got to train for being social in big crowds and, and talking to random people that I don't know and having the energy for that. And so when I think of some of my quiet students that I've worked with, it's not that they aren't friendly or don't have a lot to say. They just have, they take a little bit of time to adjust to new environments. And I can totally relate to that because I had that same, um, struggle as a kid. I was very, very quiet when I was in a new environment. And as I slowly adjusted, um, my true self came out. And then that's when I got on my report card, Felice talks too much. She's a great kid, but she talks too much. Can you work with her on that? (laughs) So I have it in me to be a chatty Kathy. Um, so yes, I'm going to talk about today what I learned from my quiet students. And in particular, I'm picturing these two students who really taught me so much um, about working with kids who may need to warm up a little bit with their clinician. And it helped me with my practice. So my first couple of lessons was with this one student who, for whatever reason, I had a couple, I had a morning spot and an afternoon spot for first and second grade, for for mostly first grade, because I knew a lot of first grade students get speech. Um, And for whatever reason, that afternoon spot, it was just her. And so I was having to pull her for her phonological processes, her speech sound disorder, and it was just me and her. 
And I quickly figured out after a couple of sessions that I knew she felt comfortable with me, but, you know, I could tell she was hesitant to produce some of the sounds, even when I would ask her to say the words and, you know, she was kind of shy. She didn't really want to, you know, she didn't really elaborate and talk too much beyond the question that I asked. And so I knew right away that I needed to work on our relationship and I needed to figure out what she really, really liked. And in that time, I, you know, I started using crafts with her because it was just me and her for a couple of months before I started getting more referrals and then the groups added. And I will say this, that um, first of all, I realized, you know, it is really intense to have an adult tell you to repeat stuff and you're the only one in the room. (laughs) Talk about pressure, right? So for some of our kids, there's a lot of pressure um, to produce, you know, that we're telling them to produce sounds and take risks, essentially, with trying a new skill. We forget that, you know, some of our students have really struggled with their sound productions and talking and trying to produce a new sound is a big risk. For us, it seems easy because we maybe didn't have those challenges and we're just like have this confidence like, well, I'm going to accept whatever you say. You try your best and it's going to be fine. No big deal. But in their shoes, it's, it's, it's a big step. And so I was noticing that it was, you know, there were some confidence issues. So what I did was what I realized too, after a few sessions in, I was like, you know what, she probably would thrive if some kids were in the group too. So she could see that there's other kids working on this. And so I did find that having the individual session, it, there was this feeling of like, all, all eyes are on me kind of thing. So the second thing I did was I started implementing crafts with her. Now, typically I use crafts like once or twice a month, and I will use crafts more often in my co-teaching lessons if they are easy and they increase engagement in the sessions. So I will do the work for doing crafts if it does those things for co-teaching. But when it comes to my therapy groups, I I usually typically do them like once a month, um, sometimes less frequent than than that. Or, Or if it's a craft I can use across a lot of age groups, I will prep it for everybody. Um, So I started doing these crafts with her because I felt like while we were creating the craft, I could get to know her a little better and I could also, you know, give it to her as homework and talk about the sounds and how they were produced in a way that felt like we were just hanging out. And that was, I think, the best investment of my time with her. And it wasn't necessarily, you know, this isn't me saying go start doing crafts with your quiet kids, but definitely Take the time and allow yourself the space to do something with your student that you know that they're going to like, that maybe isn't going to get those high reps initially, or is really going to get 
you know, down and dirty with the practice points and talking about where their tongue and their lips and their movement need to be, right? It's more of a relationship building tool. And it made me think, you know, everything worked out really well. She loved doing the crafts with me. And I didn't really know that right away. But later on, I'll tell you what happened at the end of that story. I I really was like, wow, this really made an impact on her and our relationship. And it made me think, you know, I'm a school-based SLP. Most of the parents don't come on campus. They don't know, they know when their kid comes for speech, but they're not at the session. So it made me realize if I was a private practice SLP and I'm working with this student and the parent isn't seeing you know, immediate results with their child's speech sounds, they may be going, what the heck are you guys doing in there? And so I felt comfortable implementing some of my strategies with the student. But if a parent was um, asking me what we did in the session, what happened, you know, it made me realize that, you know, we need to give some parent education with some of our students who may be, may take a little bit more time with getting comfortable in the therapy session and that we need to remind our parents like, Hey, the first two to four sessions and sometimes longer, there's going to be a heavy emphasis on building our relationship. Of course, we're going to talk about sounds. We're going to talk about what to do with those sounds. I'm going to encourage them to practice with me. But if I see any signs of them feeling defeated or uncomfortable, I'm going to go back to building my relationship with them um, so that they feel safe to take those risks with me. And that we have a long-term goal that this investment of time is going to make things way easier down the road when they start to trust me, because then we're going to jump into therapy and we're going to get stuff done. And we know those kids that they, they may still be shy, but they immediately warm up to you and they feel safe and everything's going great. But there's other kids that it just takes a little bit of time. And so I learned that, that little tip that we need to talk with parents more about why we're doing something or what's expected of the session so that they know what's coming next or what's going to happen. And secondly, you know, giving yourself permission to take that time and invest in that. And I think it's hard because we are so ingrained to take data to to prove that we're, you know, doing legit services because we have to for documentation's sake, that we forget that we have a human sitting in front of us. And so the really sweet, like, um, takeaway from this whole thing was, so months and months go by, actually the end of the year goes, or no, I don't remember if it was the end of the year or I was having to leave. Um, it was the end of the year, I think. This mom sent me a picture guys of all the crafts that this student and I did all year and they saved all of them and they used them and practiced them. And I was like, what? <laughs> That's the first in my life that someone saved all my crafts. And I was totally honored. I was taken aback and it just showed me that that time spent, um, 
was really important to that student. And so I just want to remind you about that, that maybe that Lego building time or, um, you know, the craft time or the time going outside with a basketball and shooting hoops was really, really important to the therapy process. My second student that taught me a lot about working with a quiet student, this was a kindergarten student and she was um, really quiet. And again, I, I served a middle school and then I served this little tiny charter school. So I was only there one day a week. So sometimes I saw kids once one-on-one because there really wasn't any other kids, um, at the time that I was going to see them. So this student had speech fluency and, and I knew that I wanted to see her once a week, but then I thought, Oh, maybe I could go into the classroom and co-teach or at least do a collaborative service model one day a week. And so this student was also very quiet and a little bit hesitant to talk. And we did crafts as well. And we talked about smooth and, you know, bumpy speech, but I could tell like, it was, it was, you know, if I talk too much and bring too much attention to her speech right away, it's going to, you know, make her self-conscious. So I decided to go into the classroom. The teacher let me come in at math time and I could tell right away she was looking at me like, why are you here? (laughs) What are you doing? And I could, and I took a step back and I pictured, well, how would I feel? I don't want to put her on the spot. I don't want her to make her feel like I'm in here for her. So I'm going to be here for everybody. I'm going to be here for all the kids. And of course, I'm going to be here for the student as well. But I'm going to make sure she knows that I'm in here and I'm talking to everybody. And we are, you know, and I'm not going to put pressure on her. I'm not going to whisper in her ear like, use your slow speech kind of thing. And so during math center time, I would talk with the other kids and with her. And I just wanted her to feel comfortable with me being in the room and that she could express herself and be a part of the lesson. So that's what I did. And I think it really worked, but it was hilarious because um, (laughs) there were kids who were doing these math shape pizza crafts, right? And I'm talking with them. And I felt like, this story reminds me of like my kindergarten existence really. Um, and so I'm talking with all the kids and I'm, you know, and kindergarten kids are the best that if you start talking to them, they'll talk back and we'll, and it's, it gets deep. It gets real deep, but we start, so I started having a conversation with a couple kids or they would ask me for help. And so the teacher straight up says to me, Hey, Miss Clark, um, Quit talking to the kids. They need to focus. (laughs) And I was like, what? And I, I, I definitely went back to my kindergarten years on my report card that said police talks too much. Yeah. So I basically got in trouble by the kindergarten teacher for talking too much to the kids. Okay. But what those, what that lesson taught me of, um, going into the classroom with my student is that, you know, making sure that our students feel safe and confident when we are around as well. 
So, you know, with your older students, if you were to go into the classroom and do a co-teach or a push-in less type of lesson, you know, maybe even pre-meeting with that student and saying, look, I'm going to come into the classroom. I'm going to teach this lesson. I'm here for your service. And during that time when I'm here, um, I really want you to focus on these things, but I'm never going to ever call you out in front of the other kids. I'm never going to tell them what you're working on. And it's just, it's a secret language between us that when I'm in the room to just think about your, you know, your strategies or your speech, but don't feel pressure. I'm never going to, um, put you on the spot like that. And I didn't have that conversation with my student, um, because she was so little, but I could tell right off the bat that, you know, I want her to feel confident. I don't want kids to think, well, why are you in here? And are you here for her? And so that is what I did. And I think it really, really helped because over time, this student's confidence built in our, in our one-on-one sessions, but also when I was in the classroom, she felt more comfortable to talk freely. Um, and I didn't necessarily correct her or say anything. If I heard a disfluency, it was all about my real purpose for going in there was to help her to feel confident to communicate. And that's why we had our one-on-one sessions. That was for, you know, speech fluency training. Um, and the push-in training was more for helping her participate more, helping her to raise her hand and ask for help or whatever the case may be. So those were my lessons from working with my quiet students. It definitely took a lot of reflective practice Um, And I think some counterintuitive things that we would maybe initially go to, I think we're really, really trained to jump in, get the data, do the work. You got this, produce, produce, produce. And we forget. And I think maybe, (laughs) maybe the um, IEP goals forget that we also work with humans. We work with kids who want to have a meaningful therapy experience. And if we just focus on work, 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 trial, 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 we forget the therapeutic process, right? And so my quiet students taught me that. They taught me to take some time and reflect on what I was doing and why I was doing it. And if I was doing something different, that I should maybe communicate that a little bit better and a little bit more often with my staff and with the parents so that everyone, so I got a little bit more buy-in and understanding about why I was doing what I was doing. So I hope that this was helpful for you. Um, Let me know, you know, let me reach out to me on social media, tag me if you listen to this podcast and share it. Um, Leave a review on the Real Talk SB podcast. Let me know what you want to hear about more on the podcast, what guests you would like to hear from, what topics, because um, I always want to bring helpful, practical therapy ideas and strategies so that you can serve your students well. And I know how hard the job is. I know the demands that you are facing right now. And you know, I want to be helpful in that way. So anyways, I hope you have a great, great week. Stay inspired and don't forget to be the SLP that every kid wants to see. Talk with you next week. Ta-ta. Uh-huh.